0: welcome back to drones in America by Marcus Scale. I'm your host Grant Giat and I am a partner in the unmanned aircraft systems team leader at the law firm of Adams and Reese today I'm joined by my friend Miriam McNabb who is the CEO of job for drones and the editor-in-chief of drone life Miriam welcome to the program
1: thanks so much for having me
0: um, we're absolutely thrilled to have you you're a huge name in the industry. I think many of us in the industry get our, the first bit of information we get about what's going on in this industry is from drone life. So thank you for staying on top of things. And it's good to know there's someone out there who's keeping track of everything that's going on. Um, you know, we have a lot of great things that we're going to get into, but let's start by telling me a little bit about your background, how you became involved with drones.
1: Sure. So, um, I am a serial entrepreneur in the high-tech industry. I've been in the high-tech industry for my entire career, which is, you know, now over 25 years, and um, really focused on emerging technologies. So back in 2013, uh, some of the partners that we had started businesses with before came up with this great idea. They said, you know, we've we've heard of this, like, very niche thing, there's there's drones, and we think that they're gonna start to be used um, commercially, so we want to kind of get in a, and start a website. And being the uh, only member of the team who had kind of a liberal arts degree, I was assigned to to write content. So I started out back in 2013, just writing a couple articles a day, anything I could find on kind of Twitter and uh, the news channels and the social media channels. And, you know, fast forward to 2020, uh, my partner and I have now now taken over the site, and uh, I've now written over 3,000 articles on the commercial drone industry and attended conferences all over the world. And you become sort of um, very committed to this new industry. I, I would say I'm not neutral, unfortunately. I'm, I'm not the New York Times. I am pro-drone all the way. I really, uh, this is absolutely the most fascinating space that I've ever been in, and I can't wait to see what happens next.
0: Well, that's exciting to hear because there are so many media outlets that we are up against who are not pro drone or who don't understand. I saw um, a well-known political pundit post something yesterday about Walmart's recent announcement. Um, I think they're partnering with Flytrack or something like that.
1: Correct.
0: Um, And so they were just, the, the pundit was like, oh great, this is all 2020 needs. And I'm sitting here thinking contactless delivery. I mean, you don't get more. So
1: exactly what 2020 needs, right?
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so that, that, um, that hesitance and uh resistance is just really unfortunate but i know you and others in the industry are doing what you can to change the tide and i'm doing what i can on my end with uh government leaders and clients to try and work to really build something that we all can be proud of and are proud of um like you i'm proud to be in this industry and it's one of the funnest things i've ever done something i never thought i'd be in but it's great to be a part of i feel like we're all a team and we're really trying to move this ball forward in the face of adversity. So it really is something phenomenal. So let's talk about jobs for drones. It was one of the first, if not the first kind of match pilot to the project kind of deals, wasn't it?
1: It is, and You know, when we started it out, uh, there really wasn't a lot of differentiation in the commercial uh, drone industry in between commercial pilots. You know, now what we see is is there's big firms like DroneUp and DroneBase and, and so forth taking sort of really the industrial jobs. You know, being a pilot to do something like drone delivery or inspection services and so forth, that's a real... Um, specific skill. A lot of times we're looking at industry experts who have now learned to fly drones rather than kind of the other way around. And my job for drones yeah, <laughs> and which for than drones? Inspecting
0: towers rather than okay. climbing those towers.
1: Exactly, exactly. Tons of, you know, industry has really adopted this. So if you're PG and E or or, or um, one of the electric companies, Florida Power and Light, and you're trying to, you know, inspect power lines, that's a real specific thing. You need someone who's has expertise in the power industry and in flying the drone. Um but job for drones has just kind of been around for a really long time. Uh we started out still we're in the middle of a redesign right now. It's we started out with this kind of, you know, percentage thing but we never went after anybody (laughs) for a percentage but now um really what we are is is for all of those pilots out there who are interested in kind of working um finding jobs here and there some some people who are doing it part-time some people who are professional photographers and also want to do it full-time and you have a lot of individuals who are sort of realizing like oh i need a drone you know we just had a flood i need somebody to to take images of my property so I can send it to my insurance agent. Or, um, you know, we're having a wedding event. We're really interested in this. We're putting our house up for sale. We're we're interested in that. And so for all of those jobs, that's job for drones. You know, if you're a pilot working independently or for a small firm, uh, we're the place to to be not the large industrial um, kind of kind of huge contracts. So I think that there's a real market for that. And just by, by dint of, you know, sort of every day we're getting new pilots uh, onto the site.
0: You know, and I'll also add Miriam, I represent a couple of the bigger pilot networks. And I will say that there's a lot of crossover. It's not an exclusive thing. So just because you're a pilot in uh drone base or drone up or fly guys, it doesn't mean you can't be a pilot in another network. We see that all the time and in fact my clients encourage it. They encourage to really broaden your opportunities, broaden the opportunities because word gets around and right now everyone's trying to move this industry forward. And um, one of my, uh, another one of my clients puts it best, he calls it coopetition. (laughs) as um, competitors are cooperating because they're realizing we need to move this industry forward. So um, kudos to Jobs for Drones for being one of the first, if not the first, on the board. You've seen what's come after you. I mean, and it it really set a great precedent in place for all the opportunities there are going to be for people who harness this technology. So let's talk about drone life. Um, When was drone life established?
1: Drone life was started way back in 2013.
0: 2013 okay so it's been seven years
1: yeah it was before part 107 it was when we were still writing all kinds of articles about section 333 exceptions and and uh, how to get those and who had them and and what part 107 was going to look like
0: you see you've been here seven years i've been in it for three years and i feel like just in my three years it's been night and day from where we were So I can only imagine what it's like for someone like you who's been around prior to part 107. You've got to see the advancements that have been made. Despite complaints we hear about the FAA not moving fast enough, surely you see that this industry has really moved forward.
1: Back in 2013, when I attended the very first drone conferences that I went to, uh, 2014, there were there was you know tension with the FAA, and and when Michael Huerta took the stage, you know there was palpable sort of tension in the room. We need 107. They're holding us back. We we need to let this industry go. And, uh, you know, by the end of Michael Huerta's period at at the FAA, I was enthusiastically applauding him every time he got on the stage because I had really come to realize the enormous complexity of the situation that the FAA is faced with. You know, they have an impeccable, a perfect safety record. They have a safety record that is just absolutely unmatched and and to try and maintain that safety record in the face of a completely unknown technology where you have no idea how many flights are going to occur next year you know when you talk about manned aircraft you can predict pretty pretty accurately how many commercial flights are going to take place in 2021 you have no such luxury with the drone industry. You have no idea how fast that's going to expand. So, really, they have done a stellar job sort of collaborating with the industry to the extent that they can and um, really trying to move forward with all of the government stakeholders uh, that need to be kept happy and all of the industry stakeholders. It's an incredibly complex situation, and they really are doing a great job. That, that's been my change in perception from uh, the beginning to, to over the last
0: seven years. It is a very tricky situation because you are dealing with the new technology, and I think what a lot of people, surely you grasp this, but a lot of people don't, humans are far more likely to encounter a drone. once. They- <laughs> Because <laughs> they're flying usually under 400 feet or under from the top of a, a structure, so um, it, it definitely is. W- people are going to be encountering drones. So whenever I hear people frustrated with the FAA, you have to understand safety is their priority. They have made significant strides. Um, We're hearing rumblings that there's some big news coming within the next couple months regarding remote ID and ops over people. We'll see what happens. Sometimes things get pushed back, but um, there definitely is a consensus that things are about to change even more. So in, in a positive regulatory direction and when regulation frees up, then so does uses as well. And so I really think it's interesting that we're in this time, in this position when if ever you needed contactless delivery and uh, the ability to send a drone out to do what used to be a human job because humans are not able to leave the house or congregate in large amounts, this is that time. And of course, I'm talking about COVID-19. And along those lines, the FAA, I wanna say it was in April, maybe a little earlier, put out a advisory kind of situation or a document saying the FAA encourages all drone companies to do everything they can under part 107 to assist with the uh, COVID-19 relief effort. And they have been true to their word. I have seen amazing things being done with drones over the past six months that we never even thought of. What's one of the more interesting stories you've come across in terms of how drones are being used for COVID-19?
1: So I think that you, um, for, you hit the nail on the head and uh, you know, you've written articles about this. You and I have discussed this before, but, but part of what drones do in COVID-19 is they allow all those industries to just keep going. With fewer people on the ground and uh, more distance between them, the drone technology is allowing industrial sites, uh, mining sites, construction sites, power industry, and so forth to just keep going. So that um, is really the foundation of what drones have to offer contactless delivery though is really a stunning example of you know what is best about this if you're telling people to quarantine You have to have a way to get them the food and supplies that they need. If you don't want someone to go into a grocery store when they have COVID-19, you've got to provide them with an alternative, and you don't necessarily want to put delivery people at risk. So contactless delivery, and we have seen examples all over the world of that. You know, starting uh, in China with JD.com, Uh, working on contactless uh, drone delivery for specifically for uh, delivering COVID supplies. You've seen people delivering personal protective equipment, even uh, things like face masks and shields and things to medical um, places. You've seen the medical industry able to sort of get more efficient with applications like uh, UPS Flight Forward is doing on the, the medical campuses, you know, and you've seen Applications like Wing in Christianburg, Virginia, where they're demonstrating, you know, delivering everything from library books for the summer reading for, you know, junior high school students to things from Walgreens and restaurants and that's where you really get into this is people's everyday lives and if you can imagine this pandemic will be over but you are going to have days when you get the flu and you don't want to go out and and this is a huge benefit for communities everywhere so i think contactless drone delivery is a big one the other thing i don't know if you're a sports fan and my family um, No, baseball was a tough one. (laughs) It was really a tough one for us. Um, And not being able to go see the Celtics were we're, uh, in the Boston area. Now I've seen... people doing disinfection of stadiums using drones. And as a cleaning companies, just your regular industrial cleaning companies now adopting drone use to fly over the stadiums. It's efficient, it's effective, it's faster. It might make it actually much more feasible to get people back into stadiums and um, event arenas more quickly.
0: Absolutely, you just listed out some great use cases. Uh, One of my clients is uh, DroneUp, and of course, Tom Walker and his group did a great job with Project Last Mile, they called it, where they tested deliveries of um, testing kits and COVID-19 related materials um, in Lawrenceville, Virginia. And they tested these deliveries, not under part 135, under part 107, and were able to demonstrate that drone deliveries are scalable under part 107, even though you can't fly beyond the visual line of sight of pilot. And it's that kind of innovation that I I find so fascinating. Things like this pandemic was unprecedented, it was tragic, no one was prepared for it, no one could have prepared for it. But this industry has really found a way to innovate and to really move the ball forward in terms of how the public will be using drones in the future. And I just thought that was a really cool use case to read that report. It's publicly available online. Um, and to see, you know, the thought that even under Part 107, which has this rap of being so restrictive, companies are, during this tr- these trying times, finding a way to really open the doors for drone to look.
1: And I, I think that the the great thing about Tom Walker and, and Tom Walker and I are, are buddies and I really, I have so much respect for him just because I absolutely love his way of looking at the world and saying, it's all about just do what you can right now with what you have. Like, like just do it. And um, I think that it's a great message to get out there is drone delivery is not even things like passenger drones. These are not, you know, space age Jetsons like 20, 30, 40 years in the future. This is now, this is actually capable. We have the technology, we even have the regulations, you know, this is is now, it's not in the future.
0: And what I think is great is, and one of the things I love about Tom is he comes from a place of yes, how can I make this work? do this within the framework. The FAA right now is coming from a place of yes as well. Um, They are clearly supporting the maximum degree of operations you can have under part 107. Coming from that place of yes is so critical in a negative time. And it really allows industries like ours to flourish. So it it really is, I I think that's going to be what separates many of the companies that succeed from the companies that don't the hard work, the dedication, and quite frankly, the optimism, the optimism, and if something doesn't work, try something else, you know, there are a lot of, there are some naysayers in our industry, and I mean, we we both know who they are, they're very vocal, and does it really do any good? I I mean, I I see myself sometimes asking myself that when I see some of the negativity out there, although the vast majority of our industry is positive, the, the negativity just, what has that done to advance this industry? I mean, would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely, 100%. And I think that, um, you know, to be absolutely honest, well, while, while, you know, we do face challenges of being new, of growing and evolving and, and expanding, you know, honestly, there's so much more to be optimistic about. Drones have an excellent safety record. They have a fantastic safety record. People don't know that. We don't, you know, (laughs) nobody's out there saying that. But for the percentage of of flights, we have a fantastic safety record. You know, we have so many benefits um, to offer and there's so much good stuff happening that the limitations are really minuscule uh, beside what the capabilities are.
0: You know, it's true, and, and I mentioned a second about, ago about coming from that place of yes. I especially find, you know, as an attorney, we're taught to come from a place of no. We're, <laughs> you do this, you, you're going to go to jail, you know, <laughs> and it really is an honor and a privilege to be a part of an industry where I, I'm kind of forced to act against that, not, not, not impulse, but the message that's ingrained in you when you go to law school. And that's, here are all the ways your clients can mess up. <laughs> <laughs> on all the ways that our clients can change the world for the better. And that's, this industry's let me do that. And that's one of the things that I love about it is being able to come from that place of yes and working with people like you and Tom and, and certain people in the FAA. The FAA I think has been great through this whole thing. And we are seeing a lot more positivity. And this actually brings me to the next point I want to discuss among the public public perception of drones. I remember, was it a couple years ago, the Gatwick incident? And it seemed like for a few months, that was all there was in the drone world. We're still seeing negative drone stories every day from the Kobe Bryant crash to, uh, I, mean, I mean, countless others. Uh, drones being used to spy on people at nude beaches. Drones being used to holler at people to disperse. Uh, the, this company, Dragonfly, which I thought was doing something really cool and innovative, were testing out drone use for uh, thermal scanning, scanning people's temperature. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the public in that particular municipality had some concerns about that. But those examples aside, I, I have noticed, not just in my community, but in the communities in which my clients operate, the public and state and local government decision-makers are becoming more pro-drone. They are starting to realize the value in this technology. And it's not just the drone deliveries and the being able to facilitate social distancing and practice uh, public safety and health. It's also the fact that when your utilities go out, if you're in Lake Charles, Louisiana, which got decimated by Hurricane Laura, you're able to send a drone out there to do inspections and, and assist with restoration efforts far quicker than you could send a human being or a helicopter out there because drones can get lower and they can have more, they have more accuracy when it comes to inspections like that. So, and what you talked about a few minutes ago, and that's these industries that kind of were forced to shut down as a result of the pandemic, how drones were able to keep things going. So all these things together, I do think are turning the tide. I'm not gonna say a lot, but I'm, I'm noticing a difference. How about you?
1: I think absolutely. I think time is on our side and, you know, you and I actually met over this issue. This was something that you were talking about uh, early on about, you know, the importance of public perception and drone use. And I really think that what we're dealing with is a, is a question of unfamiliarity. So in Christianburg, Virginia, where they're actually doing the drone delivery, and people are able to receive those packages and their you know middle school kids are getting their library books delivered by the drone the reaction has been so favorable you know you talked about the people hollering about social distancing monitoring for social distancing and there's an example that was i i really felt that that was unfortunate you know dgi was doing something which was actually from a place of generosity you know they they were donating drones for coronavirus response Mm -hmm. and those went to public safety agencies and the public safety agencies could do whatever they wanted with them. You know, they just they just donated a drone. And you notice it wasn't somebody in the community who complained About this drone, which was going uh, up to crowds and playing a very polite (laughs) recorded message that said, "You know, please remember we're we're all in this together." Please, that people are actually experiencing the drones in their lives; they're realizing that this is positive. And you know, every new technology has this challenge. There is, remember when smartphones came out and people said, they're equipped with cameras, this is a disaster, people are gonna be spying on me on the subway, people are gonna be taking inappropriate pictures, it's horrible, and, the fact of the matter is that some people do. Some people are unkind and and dumb and, and do stupid or illegal things. But we value the smartphone technology so much that we accept that slight you know risk of people doing uh, things that are inappropriate. And I think we're going to get there with drones too. You know, drones are to some extent flying cameras. There are a few people who who go out and do things inappropriately, but they have so much more value that I think we're going to get to that place where we value the technology far more um, than than the small risk associated of inappropriate use. You know, when people use cars inappropriately, we don't say ban cars.
0: Well, it's You know in the early 1900s late 1800s whenever cars first came around and people were still doing horses and buggies they were terrified of cars
1: yes yes you could only go four miles an
0: hour (laughs) different types of concerns obviously i think the privacy concerns are heightened with the newer technology but um this will pass there will come a point where people are going to see the benefit of drones um just like they couldn't imagine uh life without their Apple iPhone, they're going to get to a point where they can't imagine life without their Skydio or DJI drone, you know, it's just, it, or, and the other manufacturers, it's just, it's going to come to that point. And um, getting to that point is tricky. You brought up how in the dispersion example about dispersing the people who were congregating, how it was a state official or a, a, some kind of government official. That's it's interesting you said that because one of the first things that I always do with clients, if I know they're wanting to embark on a drone project, is I say, all right, let's get in touch with the governor, the mayor, the city councils, the representatives. Let's get out there. Let's go to the stores. Let's put the drones in people's hands. Let's show people what you're doing. Let's answer their questions. Let's be transparent. If there's a risk that the video is going to get sent to some other country, let's tell them. If there's not, let's tell them. Be completely transparent and honest. And that's come so far, you know, it's done great things. And one of my clients, Deuce Drone, is now operating, um, they're testing utilizing drones for delivering fast food and groceries in the South, in Alabama. And the first thing they did was engage the community and let people touch the drone and answer questions. And I've not heard a peep out of Alabama about, oh no, drones are taking over versus other um, companies that have used drones in other part of the country where they didn't engage the public and all of a sudden there's an outcry. So I think it's so important to let the state and local officials and the community at large know what you're planning to do and to engage them. It also makes the FAA's job a whole lot easier. The FAA is the regulatory environment will improve as public perception improves.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it is all about education, you know, and you're out there educating and you're telling your clients to go out there and educate and we in the media are, are doing our best to educate too. But it's all about education. If you see a, a drone flying overhead and you don't know what it's there for, then you can make up uh, any assumption that you want about it, if you see a drone flying overhead and you realize it 's there to check the power lines near your house you 're not worried about it, so it 's all about educating people
0: It absolutely is uh, unfortunately we 're about short on time right now, but I do want to make sure um we let everyone know about the panel you'll be discussing. You and I are both actually discussing on public perception at AUVSI Exponential of course, which is um, virtual this year. Yours is on Tuesday, October 6th at 9.45 a.m. And I think that's Eastern Standard Time. And it's Public Perception of Unmanned Systems, How to Positively Shape Public Perception by Educating the Media and Working Together as an Industry. Love that title. So, uh, yeah, no, that's great. Tell us about it.
1: So that's Robert Van Gul, who uh, started uh, that one, is actually, he works as um, an agency for drone companies. And I think that, uh, as I said, you know, you were one of the first people to kind of introduce this idea to me that this is public perception is really, really important. And I think for individual Um, drone companies, when they're going out uh, into the public, they need to be really careful about working with media, uh, you know, not so much drone live because (laughs) because I'm going to try to make you look good, but certainly with the regular media to make sure that that's framed correctly. And, you know, there's so many examples of this. Recently, Uh, There were some media people on Air Force One with President Trump. And one of the media guys saw a drone near the airplane as it landed. Just saw one. Just, that's it. And immediately tweeted, this thing almost hit us and went, you know, berserk. And I was thinking, wow, there is an example, you know, got so many follows and comments and everything, but seriously, Andrews Air Force Base, Air Force One, you see a drone, it doesn't occur to you that it's part of the security <laughs> procedures. Exactly. I mean, this is not, it really, they let like a random guy flying a drone get two inches away from your airplane? I don't think so, I'm not buying it. <laughs> you know, So, so this is, is one of those things where a little education goes an awful long way.
0: I mean, it's horrible. You're seeing it, especially because we're in election year, it's almost like people reporting things without checking their facts first and or else they're giving you half the story without telling you the other half, which totally would have, you know, changed your view on it. It's it's really irresponsible, in my opinion. And I mean, you're right. A simple investigation, even it would have taken five minutes to verify. Right.
1: Just ask someone, hey, do you, what's that? What's that thing for? It could be like they're checking ice on the wings. You know, they're they're doing it. it uh, most likely really part of the airspace security. I don't know, but I'm having a really hard time believing that at Air Force Andrew space, they just let some random guy fly their drone two inches away from the plane. Don't it, think so.
0: Yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things right now that's just nonsensical, you know, I mean, it's almost like these days you can't even read a story without stopping to be like, okay, who's reporting it? What are they saying? Where's the other, you know, it's just, it's too much. And drones, unfortunately are right caught up there in the middle of it with all the issues that both sides of the government are putting on drones, on um, foreign source drones and drones in general. It really would be helpful if we could get more government leaders understanding the positivity of this technology. And, you know, uh, my representative from Baton Rouge, actually, who's the, um, He is the ranking member on the Aviation Subcommittee, Representative Garrett Graves is a huge pro drone fan. And it's almost like if we could just get more people to understand how this technology is improving lives, then I really think it would go a long way. But unfortunately, fear and negativity, I guess, sell stories.
1: We really need to go from the place of surveillance to security and protection. We need to change those words and, and that perception.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, Miriam, we are about out of time. It was a blast having you on here. I knew it would be. Um, we look forward to seeing you on U- a- AUVSI Exponential. And um, we definitely would love to have you back on the program. And I'm sure you and I will be in touch very soon.
1: All right. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to talk to you.
0: You too. Be sure to tune in next week for Drones in America by Market Scale.